0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I mean, it really is a great pleasure and honor to be back in this pulpit today. I mean, I really mean that. I'm not just trying to be nice. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Thank you for the invitation. And Christy and my mother-in-law, Merle, I'll send their love to you. And So I was thinking about this, it's been 14 years uh, this year since I first stood in this pulpit uh, with sort of knees knocking and palms sweating when uh, Paul invited me to give the Lenten uh, sermon that I gave, and then by the grace of God that led into three years as a canon here uh, which were so rich for me, and because, because of that, the love, the grace that I experienced here and my family experienced here during uh, that time of ministry, Paul's leadership, John's leadership, the leadership of of everybody on the staff, it affected us so deeply as a family. And any fruit that's born in my ministry in Charlottesville really has sprung from the rich soil of the Advent. And so for that, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for you. Well, that's enough of pleasantries because it's Lent after all. And um, if you heard yesterday's reading from uh, the prophet Joel, we hear it's time to blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on the holy mountain, let all inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. So, yikes, a Bing Cherry Salad will have to wait for 15 more minutes. So, what is this darkness of Lent that has now descended upon us, or freezing temperatures down here? I was really hoping for better when I left Virginia. So, what are we going to make of Lent as we're at the beginning of this Lenten preaching series? Well, I want to tell you a story to help us out of the gate of Lent and into these 40 days. So, on the day of my ordination, 20 years ago, My friend Tad DeBordeneuve gave me a letter, and Tad was my rector at St. Matthew's Church here in Richmond. He's from a long line of Episcopal ministers, and I thought sort of a man after God's own heart. So in 1995, on the day of my ordination, when Tad gave me this long letter filled with the wisdom that he'd accrued over 30 years at that point of ordained ministry, and I was eager to open up this letter and read this precious gift that he gave me. I'm sure it contained wise and well-earned gems that he wanted to pass on to me as I began my ministry. And I'll never forget the way that the letter opened. Dear Paul, never give up beer for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> never give up beer for Lent. That's the first thing he said. Now he made his own beer, so he might have had self uh, interest in that advice. But you know, you know, but of course, you know, what is what is he saying? And you can substitute chocolate or sweets or meat for Lent. Never give up all those things. And so, the question I want to ask is, why not? Uh, Lent is an invitation to self denial. And so, what's wrong with giving up beer or chocolate for Lent? And if that's what you want to do, knock yourself out and give it up. It might be good for you at the moment. But the problem is that giving up beer or chocolate just doesn't go far enough. I mean, it might be good for your waistline to give up chocolate, but it doesn't begin to address the root of the problem that Lent is about. And so the root of the problem is not your appetite or your self-discipline, but the root of the problem, as the prophet Joel tells us, is your heart, your heart. Joel calls Israel to repentance and he says, return to me with all your heart. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Rend your hearts and not your garments. And So giving up chocolate or beer is rending your garment. It is an outside extraneous, inadequate substitution for the real thing. And the problem is that settling for the fake, fake thing can make you believe you're doing the real thing. So if you want to enter into the arena of Bible repentance and real denial, then rent your heart and not your garment. That means try giving up anger for Lent. Try giving up lust for Lent. Or try giving up envy or ambition or greed for Lent. Try giving up control for Lent. How about worry? Try giving up worry for Lent. How about the need to be right? How about give up that for Lent? Try giving up thinking about yourself instead of others for Lent. So when you try giving up those things, then you see you running straight into the heart of the problem, which is the human heart. And you know what the man says about the human heart? Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, Pride, foolishness, and, you know, the list goes on and on. So what are we to make of Lent? Well, I personally like Lent. Because Lent is the time to call a thing what it is. To call a thing what it is. What I mean by that odd phrase is that it's time for us to agree with the Bible's description about our own hearts that our hearts are deceitful above all else. Basically, Lent is a time to be honest with yourself and honest about yourself. Now, I get that we uh, don't like to admit that there's something wrong with us. I don't either. And very often, we'd rather live with what's wrong than accept the cure uh, for what's wrong. And just as an example, we have started a preschool at Christchurch. christie has been really involved in this, and the preschool has an outreach to refugee children. So we partner with the International Rescue Committee, and every year they give us uh, little children who are refugees uh, for our preschool, just depending on the events of the world. And this year we have two kids from Afghanistan and one from Iraq, given the, what's going on in the world. So last fall, our preschool teachers took these uh, refugee children to get their vaccinations at the doctor. None of them speak any English. And so one little four-year-old Afghani boy was sitting on our teacher's lap, and at first he was sort of amused with what was going on as he was watching the other children get their shots, until it slowly dawned on him that he was next. And the doctor approached with a great big needle and his eyes sort of got really wide. And then he did, he did say the two English words that he knew. He strung them together as the doctor was coming with the needle. and He said, me, no, me, no, me, no, me, no, me, no, me. But like it or not, Lent is the time to be honest about yourself with what's wrong. And that's what God asks of you as you begin Lent. For that matter, God asks about uh, us to be honest about ourselves every other day of the year, too. Honest about our own hearts. And that's hard sometimes. Now, you may have seen recently that Amy Pascal, who is the uh, ex-Sony executive, who's, who's candid and condemning emails, uh, of all, about all kinds of people were, were made public when the company's cyberspace was hacked a couple of months ago, and she was fired. And uh, she offered the following apology. She said, the content of my emails to Scott were insensitive and inappropriate, but are not an accurate reflection of who I am. Yes, they are. <laughs> who else wrote them? <laughs> That's no apology. Of course they're an accurate reflection of who you are. You don't want them to be an accurate reflection of who you are. You've written all of them too. You don't want your cyberspace to be hacked either. And yet, nobody else wrote those emails. And I've written those kinds of emails. They are an accurate reflection of who we are. So to rend your heart, you see, is to be honest about yourself and say, Yes, Lord, I am eaten up with anger. Or, yes... Lord, the bitterness that I feel is overwhelming or I cannot control my lust or in fact, Lord, I care way more about my own personal financial security than I do about giving away money to those in need because that's an accurate reflection of who I am. So I believe uh, this is a crucial point for anybody. And an honest self-appraisal, I think, as you grow up. It's this important moment to come to if you want to grow up and be mature. And like the needle coming towards you, it's not always pleasant. In his uh, correspondence with Walker Percy, which I'm reading right now, uh, Shelby Foote uh, voices his despair about himself, and this was in the sort of late uh, early 50s. And he'd just gone through a second divorce Shelby Foote had. And he found himself in love with a woman who, at that point, was verboten. He couldn't be in a relationship with her and wasn't sure the relationship was going to happen. And he's not in a good way, and he's sharing all this uh, in letters to Walker Percy. And so to his best friend, Walker Percy Foote writes, quote, I'm beginning to believe that friendship is a pile of crap, but I'm in bad shape anyhow. I'm in the way of working up an anxiety neurosis. It's much worse than you can possibly imagine. I haven't written one line in more than a month, and for all I know, I'm utterly through as a person and a writer. I'm being kept from the woman I love. If it falls through, I'm going on an extended rip. I'm going to stay falling down drunk until it either brings me through or lets me take the other way. Whiskey's never meant much to me. Maybe because I've never given it a fair chance. Okay, maybe Mr. Foote should give up uh, beer for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> wish he could do his accent so good. But of course, it won't solve his problem, will it? And at this point in his life, he doesn't want the solution that his friend Walker, now who has become a, uh, a converted Catholic, uh, apparently offers him. Foote says, I'm like a man flayed alive. And I can't seem to learn to live with it. But I want you to understand one thing. God and Jesus are completely outside this. I wouldn't speak to either of them if if I passed them on the street. But you see, speaking honestly about yourself to either of them, God, Jesus, and throw in the Holy Spirit, is exactly what Lent is about. Saying, I am this way, but please Lord, deliver me from my own sin. Please Lord, give me a new heart. Please Lord, give me a heart of love for you and a heart of love for others. Because that's what it means to rend your heart and not your garment. That's what it means to pray with conviction, the collect for Ash Wednesday. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness may obtain a view, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Because the astonishing news of the gospel, is that is exactly what we're given. Perfect remission and forgiveness. Your honesty is met with acceptance and mercy. As Joel says, return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. All of this, you see, is ours, all of it is ours Because as St. Paul says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because Jesus gave up more than beer for Lent. He gave up his life for your sake. And it is through him and because of him that you and I, even with our deceitful hearts, all receive the mercy of God. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be upon you now and remain with you always. Amen.